37 years now. For 37 years, the economists at Provident National Bank in Philadelphia have been figuring up the total cost of giving your true love everything that is mentioned in the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Each year for 37 years, they figure out what exactly would that cost if you decided to do that. And they don't just guess at it. I read the article and it's interesting. They, they do some investigation. They do some research to actually find the prices of these things. For example, they call tree nurseries to find out what a pear tree would cost. And they, uh, they call the National Aviary in Pittsburgh to provide the cost of the birds that are mentioned in the song. And uh, a jeweler for the five gold rings, the... Uh, a dance company in Philadelphia to find out what it would cost to have the ladies dancing and the Pennsylvania Ballet to find out what it would cost to have the Lord's leaping, etc., etc. And so the, the PNC or the Provident National Bank calculates this year, this list each year at Christmas and they put out what they call the CPI. CPI is the Christmas Price Index. It started out as a joke, you know, the first year they kind of sent it to their clients and it became so popular that every year now, uh, during December, they work on the CPI to put out. It might surprise you that there has been a big drop in this year's cost of Christmas, at least according to the CPI. It appears that COVID-19 pandemic has even hit the 12 days of Christmas. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Some things are up in cost, as you might imagine. For example, a partridge in a pear tree is going to cost you $210.18. Pretty flat, last year it was $210.17. Two turtle doves are going to cost you $450, which is a 50% increase over last year. Uh, Three French hens will cost you $210, 15 15.7% increase. Five gold rings... $945, 14.5% increase, and I'm just skipping through some of these, but this is where it gets interesting. When you come to the nine ladies dancing, this is where COVID hit, because there were no, there were no nine ladies dancing this year. All the concerts and the programs and the plays have been canceled, no mass gatherings, so no nine ladies dancing Uh, No 10 lords leaping or 11 pipers piping or 12 drummers drumming. None of that is available. And because of that, the total price of Christmas has dropped. The total price this year is $16,168 if you were to buy everything that's mentioned on the 12th day. That's a a decrease of 58.5% over last year. Last year it was $38,993. Now... It's also interesting that the total cost, like if you were to buy everything mentioned on the first day and then everything mentioned on the second day, et cetera, et cetera, if you were to buy everything mentioned in the song because it is repeated, that would be a total of 364 gifts, and it would cost you this year $105,561.80, which sounds like a lot of money, but last year it was $170,298. So giving Christmas cheer to your true love will cost you 38% less this year than last year. So if you don't have your gift yet for your true love, this is the year to go big. It won't cost you nearly as much this year as it would would have last year. You know, we're very conscious of cost. We understand the, the definition of cost and we're very mindful of what things cost. And God is too. 
And in fact, though he was very mindful of what everything costs, what we're going to talk about today is what the love that he had for you and I prompted him to give, though it costs so much. Now, last week we started a series called Real Christmas. So much of Christmas is not real. So much of Christmas is plastic and fake. And so last week we talked about real people. And what we emphasized last Sunday was that real people were part of the real Christmas story because we needed a real Savior. And just as surely as Abraham and David were real, historical people, so too was Jesus. He was not a myth. He was not a legend. The New Testament opens up with the genealogy of Jesus to show us that there was a real person named Jesus because you and I need a real Savior who's more than a myth. Today... As we continue this series, I want to talk to you about real love. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to ask you today, in honor of God's Word, would you stand, and those watching online, if you don't mind standing in your living room or wherever you may be, and those in the Life Center, would you stand as well? 1 John chapter 4. Verse 9 and 10. This is what the Bible says in verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. I want you to hear that again. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Father, we thank You for what You've done on our behalf, what You did out of real love. We pray that today by the power of Your Holy Spirit and by the power of Your Holy Word, You would help us to understand the love that is beyond human comprehension, a love that only You have. And we thank You that You're going to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. As we look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, I want to call to your attention, before we get too far into the text, I want to call to your, to your attention a word that is a key word in these verses. In fact, it's mentioned twice, once in verse 9 and again in verse 10. It is the word sent. Both verses use this word sent. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice. Verse 9, when it talks about God sending His Son into the world, is of course talking about Bethlehem. Verse 10, when it talks about God sending His Son as a sacrifice for our sins, that's talking about Calvary. You see, you can't understand Christmas without Easter, and you can't understand Easter without Christmas. The beginning and the ending of the Lord's life is what gives us life. I want to say that one more time. The beginning and the ending of His life is what gives us life. So today I want to walk through these two verses phrase by phrase, and I want to marvel with you at what God has done to show us real love. And I want to really key on that word, sent. So here's the first point I want you to get today. Write this down. God's love sent Jesus into our world. 
God's love sent Jesus into our world. We've read the verse, but let's read it one more time. Verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now the word sent implies that Jesus was already alive. He was already living. He is the eternal Son of God. You see, sent means that He came from heaven to our world. Jesus did not come into existence in Bethlehem. He has always existed as the eternal Son of God. But God sent Him from heaven into our world. You see, babies are not sent into the world from some other place. Babies are born into the world. The fact that God sent His Son into the world is evidence of the deity of Jesus Christ. He is the eternal Son of God. He was born in Bethlehem because God sent Him there. The Living Bible translates verse 9 this way, God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into this wicked world to bring eternal life through His death. God showed us how much He loved us by sending what the Bible says in verse 9, His one and only Son. Look at that phrase in verse 9, one and only. This is a phrase that only John uses in his writings. Only John uses this phrase. He uses it in 1 John, and he uses it several times in the Gospel of John. In fact, put your finger in 1 John, go over with me to the Gospel of John. Let me show you how John uses this word, one and only. 1 John chapter 1, verses 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Same chapter, skip down to verse 18. No one has seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Go over to John chapter 3, a very familiar verse, verse 16. He again uses that phrase, one and only. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, same chapter, skip down to verse 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in Me is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Every time you see this phrase, one and only, it is always a reference to Jesus. And it is explaining to us that Jesus is the unique Son of God. The word one, or the phrase one and only means totally different from anyone else. He is the one and only, the unique Son of God. It was an explicit declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says God took His one and only, the one is un, that is unique to everyone else, His only Son, the eternal Son of God. And the Bible says God sent Him watch this, into the world. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came to where you are. Bethlehem was the place where Jesus demonstrated God's love for the first time. As Jesus lay in that manger, as His little head lay in the manger, and and He couldn't say a word, it was a silent message of God's love for the world. God's eternal one and only Son was sent into the world. You see, the birth of Jesus was more than just a statement of God's love. The birth of Jesus was a statement of God's love and a statement of God's purpose. Because look what it says in the second part of verse 9. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. And here's the reason that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Would you notice that little word we? That we might live. In other words, he came for our benefit. He came for us. He came because we desperately needed him to come. Have you ever been stranded somewhere? Let me, let me uh, see a raise of hand. You, car, truck broke down. You ever been stranded, run out of gas, lock keys in your car? Raise your hand. All right, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. I think I've had all three of those happen to me. But whenever your truck breaks down or you run out of gas or you lock the keys in your car, you always call someone. You call someone because you need them to come to you. And they come to you because you have a problem and they have the answer. And they come to you not out of chance. They come to you because you needed them to come. They come to you for your benefit. Don't miss that. They come to you for your benefit. You desperately needed them to come. The only reason they show up on the side of 85 was for your benefit. Because you needed them to come. Jesus came to this earth because we desperately needed Him to come. Jesus came to this earth because we had a need and God had the answer. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him, the Bible says. Remember what it says in, in, in the book of Romans chapter 3? The wages of sin is what? Everybody who has ever been born is living under that death sentence. Every person listening to me today, those online, those in the Life Center, those here, every person listening to me today, we've been born with a death sentence. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God said, the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And since that day, we have physically died, eventually. But that word, the wages of sin of death means more than physical death. It means eternal separation from God. Eternal death. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. And the Bible calls it hell. Eternal separation from God. Eternal death. In the day you eat of, you will surely die. And the wages of sin is death. And that's why, look at the verse. Look at the verse. 1 John 4 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice. I'm sorry, verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. God sent His Son into the world for your benefit and for mine. In fact, skip down to verse 14. Same chapter. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. There's that word sent again. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, Bethlehem was the first step towards the cross. So here's the lesson I want you to get from the first point. God loves you with a love that holds nothing back. I want you to know that you're loved today in an incredible love of God, a real love that holds nothing back to such a degree that God sent His Son into the world 
at Bethlehem because we desperately needed him to come. And we'll see why in just a moment. But please grasp this first lesson that God loves you. And he loves you with a love that holds nothing back. That sets the stage for verse 10 and the second point. That God, God's love sent Jesus as our sacrifice. Look at verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's interesting how John words this here. John makes the point that the fact that God sent His Son into the world was not because He was responding to our love for Him. That's not what caused him to send Jesus. It was not as he looked down, he saw our love for him. That is not what caused him to respond that way. No, God sent Jesus into the world, the Bible says, because of his love for us. Not our love for him. I like 1 John 4.19. If you look at chapter 4 verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. He first loved us. You might want to underline that in your Bible. He first loved us. Let me tell you something. There has never been a time when God did not love you. You you can't say that about anybody else. You see, any other person who loves you or who you love, there was always a starting point to your love. Always. Now guys, let me tell you something. When you saw her, it might have been love at first sight, but there was still a starting point. It was when you saw her. There's still a starting point to your love. Ladies, it might be that when you saw him, that you know you just went home and said, I'm going to marry that man. But there was still a starting point to your love. Even your children and grandchildren. You see, there was a time they didn't even exist. You didn't always love them. There was a starting point. And the starting point might have been when you saw the ultrasound. The starting point might have been when you held them in your hands, your arms for the first time. But there's always a starting point to human love. Always. But there's never been a starting point for God's love. God didn't start loving you when you got your act together. God didn't start start loving you even when you were born. The Bible says God loved you before the creation of the world. In fact, Jeremiah, let me just read the verse to you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. In other words, I've always loved you. There was never a time I started loving you. I've always loved you. It's an everlasting love. You know what that also means? There's never been a time when God didn't love you, but let me tell you what else it means. There will never be a time when God stops loving you. That brings us back to the word sent. It says in verse 10 that God sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death of Jesus, the death of Jesus was not an accident. It was an appointment. He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, some translations, I think the King James and maybe others, uses the word propitiation here. I want you to listen very carefully because it's about to get a little deep here theologically, but it's so rich. Look at the verse again in verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see that phrase, atoning sacrifice? Some translations, like the King James says, he sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. That Greek word for atoning sacrifice, or as it is sometimes translated, propitiation, is a very interesting and deep word. What does propitiation mean? What is an atoning sacrifice? Dr. Wayne Grudem, from his book, Systematic Theology, explains it this way. He says, a sacrifice, listen to this, a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end, and in so doing, changes God's wrath towards us into favor, is a propitiation. I hear that one more time. A sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end, or experiences God's wrath to the end, and in so doing, changes God's wrath towards us into favor, is propitiation. You know how God changed His wrath towards us into favor? It's through the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, I know this is a message on real love, but in order to understand real love, we also need to understand God's wrath. The Bible teaches that God, because He is holy, because God is light, because God is pure, that God will one day cast His wrath on sin. He will judge sin. He has to judge sin in order to remain holy and right and pure. Just the very nature of who He is. He's light. He's pure. And so He one day will judge sin in the world. His wrath will be, will be poured out against sin. That's why there is a hell. That's where God pours out His wrath against sin. Now let me tell you what God did in real love. Christ died in our place on the cross. Watch this, listen. Christ died in our place on the cross to experience the wrath of God for our sins. So that we would never have to experience that. Warren Wiersbe put it this way. He says, propitiation is something God does to make it possible for men to be forgiven. The atoning sacrifice is something God does to make it possible for us to be forgiven. You see, because God is a holy God and a righteous God and pure God, because He is light and in Him there is no darkness at all, He cannot simply look the other way regarding your sin. He cannot ignore sin in your life. He cannot excuse sin in your life. He cannot overlook or condone sin in your life. So Jesus Christ was sent into our world to be the atoning sacrifice, to experience the wrath of God towards sin on our behalf. So we wouldn't have to experience that. 1 Peter 2.24 says it this way, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds we have been healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me summarize verses 9 and 10 for you. In verse 9, God made His Son flesh. 
In verse 10, God made His Son sin. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. We might become the righteousness of God. Now, I'm not saying that God made Jesus a sinner. He was righteous and pure and holy. But God placed on Him the sin of us all. And Jesus experienced the wrath of God towards sin. That's why He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 1 John 3, 5 says, But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. He appeared, He came so that He might take away our sins. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at the text in verse 9, it is referring to Bethlehem, that God showed us the breadth of His love or the width of His love when He came and sent His Son into our world where we live. But in verse 10, which is referring to Calvary, it shows us the depth of God's love when He sent His Son into our world to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. And here's the lesson I want you to get. God loves you with a love that is totally undeserved. None of us deserve that. None of us deserve that kind of love. But let me tell you what that kind of love is. That is real love. Real love. It is a love that had no starting point, and it is a love that will never end. And it is a love that is made available to every person, but you have to decide whether to respond to that love, whether to receive that love. I'm convinced that you do not know love until you know God's love. You really don't understand real love until you know God's love. You see, here's, the, here's what I want you to understand and take home with you. Real love makes forgiveness possible. Real love, God's love, makes forgiveness possible. And that is the message of Christmas. Real love makes forgiveness possible. I want to tell you a true story about a man named Steve and a man named Robert. <clears throat> Robert owned a jet ski store and he, on a Friday, putting everything back into the store, uh, except he left one jet ski out, he chained it to a post and he put a sign on it that said, rent me for the weekend. So Robert left and went home Saturday came to open the store and somebody had not only read the sign they decided I'm just going to take the jet ski I'm not going to rent it I'm going to take it but Robert of course called the police and and later that day later that that day the police called him and said we have recovered a jet ski from a man and we believe it's yours and here's how it happened this guy named Steve was going down the highway. He got pulled over for drunk driving. When they began to check, the van he was driving was 30 days past, it was a rental van, 30 days past, view, past due. Then they discovered he had a jet ski in the back of the van. Of course, they arrested him. Once he got out of jail, once he got out of jail, Steve went to Robert's jet ski store to apologize. He knew he was guilty. He knew he was going to have to, you know, pay a price. But he wanted to go to the store and apologize, and he did. And he told Steve his story, uh, or, or told Robert his story. And Steve had been going through a rough time in his life, going through a divorce and lots of problems. And, and he said to Robert, I really intended to bring that back to you. I was just going to use it for the weekend. But I was going to bring it back to you. 
There was something about the way Robert was talking that impressed, or I mean, that Steve was talking that impressed Robert. And so Robert said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to call my pastor and I'm going to see. I, let, let, me, let me work on something. So he calls his pastor and they talk for about 30 minutes and Robert comes back and, and says to Steve, I'm going to make a deal with you. The, the, the detective wants me to press charges. And I've talked to the detective and he's not very happy with me right now because here's the deal I want to make. I will not press charges if you'll go to church with me every, every week for three months. I mean, Steve was thinking, go to jail, go to church. <laughs> and so he decided to go to church. First two weeks he went to church, he heard the gospel. He heard about the grace of God and the love of God. And he found it intriguing, but he didn't do anything. The third Sunday that he went, once again, he heard about the love of God. And, and Robert looked down the, the pew and Steve was missing. And then he looked down the aisle and Steve was down front, trusting Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's baptized in that church. And here's what happened to his life. Totally changed. 180 degree flip. Because he experienced real love. He began to understand that God sent his son into the world where he lived. And that not only did he send him into the world, but he sent him to be the atoning sacrifice for his sin. He'd never known a love like that. He'd never heard of a love like that. He had never experienced a love like that until, until the day he received that love. Until the day he received that forgiveness. And you know what? We all have something in common with Steve. You know what it is? We're all sinners to the core. You may not have been arrested for drunk driving. You may not have stolen a jet ski. But you're just as guilty before a holy God. And so am I. We're all sinners before a holy God. None of us match up. None of us live up to the standard. None of us. None of us are holy. So here's real love. God sent His Son into our world to take on our flesh so that He could send His Son to the cross to take on our sin. So that He could experience the wrath of God against sin. So that God could offer you forgiveness and mercy and grace. And that is real love. That's the way God loves you. But it, listen, this is the hard part. It's all meaningless unless you receive that love. It's all for nothing. Unless there's a time and a place where you say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm turning away from my sin because I feel you do love me. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. And today, I receive that gift of forgiveness. I receive your love that I do not deserve. 
I receive eternal life through Jesus. My faith is in Jesus and what He did for me. Until that day comes, everything God has done for you is meaningless. But once, once you do what Steve did, and you bow your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come save me, then your life will be changed forever. I want you to bow your heads with me here in the Life Center, even those watching online. Would you bow your heads with me? I know there's people watching online. This may be the first time you tuned in, and it's not by accident. You needed to hear that you're loved with a real love. It's a love that didn't have a starting point. It's a love that will never end. Maybe those in the Life Center, those here in the sanctuary, you came today and you didn't expect to hear from God, but you have heard from God. There was something about the message where God spoke to you today. And it's because God loves you that He's speaking to you right now. It's because God loves you that He's inviting you to trust Him, His Son, as your Savior. Have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted His Son as your Savior? That's the whole purpose of Christmas. To give you that opportunity. Trust His Son as your Savior. So, here in the sanctuary, over in the Life Center, those watching online, if for the first time in your life you'd like to do that, I want to ask you to pray with me this prayer. Dear God, thank You for loving me. Thank You for sending Your Son to die as a sacrifice for my sin. Today I turn away from my sin. And I'm turning to trust in Christ. I trust in Your Son to be my Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Have all there is of me. And I promise to live the rest of my life for You. Forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. In Jesus' name.